Welcome to another edition of Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Jay Kyle Mann of the Dime Drop. And I am Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And every single day we're going to be bringing you, uh, if it's important to the, what's the line, if it's important to uh, Kentucky <laughs> if it's a big fans, deal. if it's a big <laughs> deal to Kentucky fans, it's a big deal to us. There we uh, go. That's so, not how it goes at all, but. Uh, it's okay. Uh, you know, I, I got I to gotta get my reps in on that intro. Smooth, smooth. I'm a smooth criminal, folks. So, uh, today we're going to, just as a quick rundown, we're going to talk about uh, Kentucky's win over Toledo. We're going to kind of be talking about the context of what happened within the division of the conference, uh, uh, meaning the SEC. And then we're going to talk about a story that Kyle wrote uh, about one of Kentucky's best and most important and most interesting players. Uh, but you want to? do you want to start with Toledo? Is that where we want to tip yeah, off? We might as well. Let's start with the news. Let's 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 uh, hold ourselves accountable on these uh, over under picks we made last week. The, to to get the the big headline here, Kentucky did win. They did uh, thirty eight to twenty four. Well, let's before we even jump into the over unders, let's just revisit our our the the Friday uh, right at the end of the podcast score predictions. And th- I'm not going to let you get away with this in the future. You didn't pick a score. <laughs> it's true, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I picked the score, thirty-eight to seventeen, and I. It should be said that with like a minute ten to go, it was thirty-eight to seventeen, and Kentucky had the ball running out the clock, and their redshirt freshman running back fumbled the ball. Yeah, and so it ended up thirty-eight twenty-four. But I feel pretty darn. In a way, we both kind of won because uh, it was thirty-eight seventeen as the clock was ticking down. Ends up 38-24, which made you actually right because you said an unspecified two-touchdown victory for Kentucky. I'm not allowed to do that in the future. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. But you yes, I said two touchdowns. I did. So you got a little bit of a bad beat there. Which we, uh, if yeah, we were both we were both pretty accurate in this, which we said I think on two different podcast episodes during the week that there was sort of a feeling like it could easily be a tricky game for Kentucky, one of those games that. You know, you're in the second quarter going, wait a minute, why haven't they put these guys away? It was 14-14 at halftime. You know, they had to sweat a little bit. Yeah, um, that's sort but- of a Stoops thing. That's sort of a Stoops era thing is uh, they hang around. Well, early on, they more than hung around some of those teams. But uh, never really just, you know, you don't, you're never going to get those like uh, Cliff King, uh, how do you say his last name, Kingsbury, yeah. Mike Leach. You're not going to get those like roaring butt whoopings where you know they just put crazy scores on the board and and just secretariat run away from them at the beginning it's always sort of a it seems like that's the way these games against lesser opponents go um and maybe that's like a just sort of a uh something that just comes with the stylistic approach that stoops takes i don't know what do you think yeah a little, it's a little bit that i mean they were never just gonna you know let it rip and and, and frankly Ah, that didn't alarm me too much. They were up 21 in the, at the end of the game against the team that, by the way, Toledo is like con, considered one of the probably two best teams in in the MAC. Now that if you're in the SEC, you should, I get it. You should you should be able to put that team away, and they ultimately did. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't take a ton out of week one. You know, getting a little bit of a test and then pulling away. And one of the reasons, which we'll talk about later, is because of if all you have to do to feel better about what Kentucky did, if you're a UK fan, is look around the rest of the SEC East. For sure. Um, so let's quickly run through these over unders. Uh, Lynn Bowden, 150 all purpose yards. 
You took the under. I took the over. You were right. This was a good week for you. Uh, <laughs> Bowden ended up having 118 all-purpose yards. He had a really, really rough day for most of the day. It was like the uh, the jinx. I wrote this huge thing on him, uh, and he was having a really bad day. He ended up uh, with a, a pretty good day catching the ball. Uh, ended up with, had one terrific, terrific uh, catch where he had a kind of leaping, twisting, really high degree of difficulty catch. And the uh, one where he was out of bounds, if he'd caught that, maybe that changes. You know, that would that would have right. been a big, big, uh, big gain on that play, and he was just barely out. So yeah, might have put him over, but uh, he was under. So you got that one right. Uh, Terry Wilson. Uh, I was one thing. I thought it was interesting and important that Bowden was having such a bad day and and still kind of finished strong. I think that maybe hints that there's some some of the maturity we've talked about there. Terry mm-hmm. Wilson. Uh, over under 200 passing yards. Uh, you took the over. I took the. We both took the over, and he he did clear it. And I thought that was one of the real promising things of the day. Maybe not early, but he kind of got it going. He threw for 246, 73 percent completion rate, two touchdowns, and importantly, no interceptions. He ends the week, the first week, like third in a bunch of different categories. I think completion percentage, uh, yards per attempt. Um, quarterback rating all those things i thought he generally i I thought he had a pretty encouraging day yeah generally yeah i would say so there are a few occasions where he was a little late making a read um guys that were perceivably pretty open you know not quite putting things on the mark i guess and those were some of the challenges for him a year ago too is sort of knowing when to use those incredible legs too um but you know, overall pretty well. Like you said, uh, yards per pass, Kentucky was nine and a half. They won the passing game 246 to 166. Um, so overall, he was generally good, not outstanding, not like upsetting. Like we, there weren't any interceptions thrown. So yeah, generally pretty good. AJ Rose over under 100 and rushing yards, 100 rushing yards. You took the under, I took the over again. Good day for you. A.J. Rose is in, ended up 16 carries for 64 yards and a touchdown. He was not even the leading rusher. Cavassier uh, Smoke, greatest name in the SEC. Uh, seven carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. He showed off some more of what we kind of thought was there from very small dose last year. Encouraging stuff for him. And then the guy who did me and uh, Chris Rodriguez, who had said, I, I think they're gonna we're going to end up seeing more of him. I liked C-Rod. I liked. I liked watching sort of him be a kind of a power back for them. And he, yeah. I think he is that guy five for 34, a pretty decent uh, production and a small workload, but he did have the fumble. So um, Rose didn't go over, but I, I thought in general, the three backs look pretty good. And, and I think they're going to have a decent uh, running game. I, I think they could have run it more. I mean, well, what is that? 16 and seven and five. That's 28 carries for the three running backs. I think I think I think they could have said we want to line up and just smash these guys uh, and done a little more damage in the running game. Um, but it's a long, you know, it's a long season. I'm sure that uh, they they were there was some balancing going on there because you know the se- the season the schedule gets more serious pretty quickly here. So maybe that was some of the thinking there. Yeah. Yeah. Week three is going to be Florida. So um, one and a half tackles for loss. For the whoever is was going to be the leading uh, tackle for loss guy in, in replacing Josh Allen, and who would that be? Mm-hmm. Uh, you took the over and said Boogie Watson. I took the over and said Josh Pascal, and we were both wrong. 
nobody went over. DeAndre Square hit it, was a push. <laughs> yeah. He was one and a half tackles for loss. He looked really good. They he forced a fumble. He was a guy who emerged, you could tell, last year as a freshman. He played a bunch as a freshman as a backup, and you could tell he was going to be really good, and, and it looks like it. Uh, Josh Pascal did have a tackle for loss, and Boogie Watson d- did have half a tackle for wa- for loss. Um, thought in, I thought those guys were were all generally pretty encouraging. The secondary, after a really shaky start, looked like a totally rebuilt secondary. I thought down the stretch, certainly second half of the game, um, played pretty well. So nothing totally disastrous happened. No. Uh, and, and 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 to that point. The last over-under was Toledo, two-and-a-half passing touchdowns. You wisely took the under. I insanely took the over because I was so skeptical about that secondary. And as it turned out, no touchdown passes for Toledo and one interception. So yeah. all things well, considered, when you're totally rebuilt on the back end, not that's not a bad day. No, it's not. I, I think that, uh, well, uh, you know, um, uh, Oates got ejected for a targeting call. A lot of people had... Uh, had some issues with. I forget how they tweaked the rule on that one this year. But then uh, Square had one, too, that sort of looked like a pretty similar play, didn't he? I thought it was uh same kind of deal, just kind of hit him as he had already kind of left to make the tackle. Was that the one where the, the, helmet got, well, the helmet got ripped off? Yeah, the optics of it were just kind of bad. But uh, I really – you know, I think – uh, you can tell me if you agree or disagree with this, but I really think that Kentucky's ceiling, a lot of it is going to have have to do with how quickly those guys mature, and just I think that they need them to be great for Kentucky to have a great season to cross over that hump. Which my, guys? Uh, square notes. Yeah, I mean, I I think they have huge upside. Um, square is in the starting lineup. Oates is not, but to me, he's like a co-starter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think Pascal is, is to me like I could see, I could see he him becoming a guy who is he gets more and more kind of back in football shape, becomes confident that he's okay on that foot and all those things. Uh, I mean, he bull rushed a couple times and just really kind of just like manhandled some guys. And now it's going to be different against the SEC competition, but uh, I do think you're right that those guys are key. And uh, I saw at least some glimpses of the fact that maybe they could they could rise to the challenge. But uh, with that, I think we'll 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 wrap on Saturday. Uh, I think that's all there is really to say. I think it was a generally solid win, but we'll kind of put in context what the rest of the league did and whether maybe whether we think we've changed our mind about this season at all or not for Kentucky after this. I'm going to tell you guys about Buffalo Trace Distillery. I'm turning into Curtis. Wow. The world's most <laughs> award-winning distillery. You're going to, And at this distillery, you're going to see 200 years of masterful bourbon-making history in action. Uh, you're going to come and you're going to smell the mash cooking. You're going to be able to touch the charred oak barrels aging in century-old warehouses. Uh, you're going to hear the tales of bourbon legends like Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee and taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating distillery. So you're going to be able to go there also and experience a live tour for every 
taste. Buffalo Trace Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week, year-round, like the popular Trace Tour. Uh, I talked to some people in an Uber ride the other day that did that and said they liked it. Or you can come and see the Bourbon Pompeii and walk through history on the E.H. Taylor Tour. Visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. And if you mentioned that you heard about Buffalo Trace on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, uh, you're going to get 10% off merchandise at the gift shop. So Kentucky got the big win, but the, the context within the rest of the SEC was pretty interesting on Saturday, to say the least. South Carolina went to North Carolina, where Mac Brown is kicking off his tenure there and lost in a close one i think that one was in the low 20s if i'm not mistaken right that uh, yeah they kind of they kind of botched it at the end and by the way north carolina was two and ten a year ago exactly just like our our buddies in louisville and then uh the other was tennessee hosted georgia state at home um New coach at Tennessee, I'm blanking on his name. It's Triano, right? Or it's uh no, they almost hired Triano. Shiano. Shiano. Oh I'm thinking God. of Jay Triano oh. basketball. Oh, I promise you, Kyle does watch some football. Um no, it's not uh Shiano because that that caused a near revolt and then it was gonna be Mike Leach and that deal was basically done and then they fired their athletic director for his incompetence uh before he could finish that deal. Uh, so they could have had Mike Leach, but instead they ended up with uh, Jeremy Pruitt, which is the latest branch off the Saban tree because everybody thinks that's the only way to win now is to hire an Saban assist- assistance. Uh, they weren't very good last year, even though they beat Kentucky, and they have started with total disaster. Georgia State didn't have a Division One football program like six years ago. Mm-hmm. Didn't have football at all like within the decade, and – they were also two and ten last year in the Sun Belt, and they went to Knoxville, and they were like basically controlled the game. It wasn't Handled a fluky them. thing. They were Handled in. Them. They were they were two ta- two touchdowns up until a crazy play, you know, touchdown at the end by Tennessee. It was not a fluke. They just straight up beat, and it was awesome. Andy Staples that writes for the Athletic had a piece. Uh, you know, everybody's looking at it from the Tennessee angle, but a piece from the the Georgia State perspective. And their coach is a, had previously worked for Steve Spurrier, who knows a lot about beating and also poking Tennessee. And Spurrier said uh, something like, they're going to be rocky bottom now. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you, you, know, you take all the jokes anybody wants to throw at you and you lose at home to Georgia State. I mean, that's just that, – that is a – I think most people generally agree that it's in, in the conversation, if not clearly, the worst loss in program history. Um, that's not that's not a good start to year two under a coach. Pretty hard when you're trying to churn and get some momentum going, and yes. that's that's how you open up. It 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 kind of reeks of Billy Gillespie a little bit, like the well, uh, it's their Gardner Webb, you know, it's uh, their Gardner Webb. But the, you know, they've been floundering worse than you know. Uh, anyway, it, it's a slide was just sort of you know exacerbated by another huge plunge and a huge yes. loss. So I guess what this really, what we want to talk about, I guess, is... Wait, wait but wait, there's more. Missouri lost to Wyoming. I forgot about that. <laughs> the, the, the East, and, and not in the East, yeah. but in the SEC, Ole Miss lost to Memphis. It was, and, and also on Kentucky's schedule, Arkansas went to the wire 
with Portland State. They won by a touchdown over Portland State. So what not, we're saying here, not and Georgia, Georgia blasted Vanderbilt. That's not really an unexpected result, but that is in the division. Uh, what we were talking about here is we were texting about what we're, what are we going to talk about in this episode. Basically, I'll ask you, Kyle. Does it's weird that Kentucky, a game where Kentucky was tied at the half with Toledo that we would end up coming out of that. It was the noon game, so it was before everything else. That we end up coming out of that game maybe feeling better about our eight and four predictions for Kentucky, or at least as good. Yeah, uh, because I wouldn't have thought that at halftime of the game of Kentucky's game. But what transpired the rest of the day? Uh, do you feel any differently about your overall outlook for Kentucky's season after Saturday? That's what's that's what's funny about sports year to year, man. Is just that like those numbers you see those records, and that's all people care about. But if you read b- between the lines, it's like yeah, they're up and down years, and you, you play who's there. And th- this year, it seems like you know what we were looking at from the outset, looking at these names. Um, I I was leaning towards you know sort of falling into pessimism uh, about the season like not feeling so confident about eight and four but i think i still ended up picking it when i went one by one yeah i do to answer your question i do feel a little bit a little bit more confident that they can pull it off uh you know i don't i don't know i i I was saying on twitter that i don't think that kentucky fans should really go gloating too much because they still like you said lost to a miserable tennessee team last year um in in just a just a crap the bed game. So I think that they they're, they're going to have to really put their money where their mouth is on that one. Um but generally I would say slightly more confident. We'll see. It's week 1. Yeah, I mean I I think I probably feel about the same as a uh, whereas I might have gotten a little pessimism out of the Kentucky game about Kentucky, I now look at the rest of the league cuz cuz it isn't just about Kentucky, it's about who they have to play. Exactly. And I look at the rest of the league and go it could have gone a lot worse. It could have gone a lot worse. Like uh, Toledo would probably beat Georgia State like more times than not. I would guess. Yeah, you know, and and Kentucky was up twenty one with a minute to go on Toledo, and Tennessee was down fifteen with a minute to go against Georgia State and lost the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, Portland State, I'm pretty sure Toledo would beat Portland State. <laughs> and Portland State gave Arkansas all it could handle. Uh, I don't know how Toledo and Wyoming would match up, and, and we should note Missouri, for whatever insane reason, played that game at Missouri. I mean, at Wyoming. But, uh, you know, Kelly Bryant turned the ball over a bunch. Uh, Another thing we need to mention, too, is, uh, you know, South Carolina had a pretty critical injury. Uh, oh yeah, I mean they lost they lost Jake Bentley and probably at least through the Kentucky game at the end of the month, September twenty eighth at South Carolina, they're going to have a true freshman uh, quarterback. Now, also the true freshman was the number two ranked quarterback in the country uh, and a top one hundred overall recruit in in uh, the last class. So he's a he's a like you know U.S. Army All American. He's a big deal. Lead 11 quarterback, all that. But it's a true freshman stepping into the SEC. I think I'd probably, even as highly ranked as that kid is, I think if you're Stoops and company and just about anybody else, you'd probably take the true freshman making what maybe his third start, second or third start, uh, versus Jake Bentley, who I think had, the, the Saturday was like his 33rd start. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Seems like he's been there for, for a while, a decade. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean that that outlook. I mean Tennessee looks like it's a dumpster fire. South Carolina looks like it's really already teetering on the edge. Uh, Missouri looks like not any, maybe not worse, but certainly not better than a year ago. Uh, I, I think they're worse at quarterback. Everybody's so pumped up about getting the Clemson transfer, and I'm saying like, you lost Drew Locke, like an NFL quarterback who's one of the best you've ever had. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a even an upgrade. Um, and so I look at those three games as games they can win. Arkansas is a game they sure better win at home. Arkansas is not good. Arkansas is very bad. That 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 is now they were two and ten last year, and they barely beat Portland State to start this year. That looks like a win to me. Um, the only thing that uh, that happened from this weekend that really changes anything about like how I maybe feel about the season for Kentucky is this Louisville game as we're recording late on Monday night. They look I mean, confident. They, they look, they uh, end up, yeah, they end up losing by 18 uh, at home to Notre Dame. But that was, I mean, they, they came out and had some excitement. The place was rocking. It was going to be 14, 14 at halftime. And then they had a couple of disastrous fumbles in a row. Um, you know, there's still some major questions for Louisville, but it's clear those guys are playing a lot harder for Satterfield. Never Will underestimate they... a team that's playing together. That it yeah. can push, th- it can push, give you that extra little something. You know, so yeah. Will they? You know, will they play hard for him in Week 12 once they're beat down a little bit? I don't know. You know, who will even be the quarterback by then? Because I will say, Pass looked good with his legs. Didn't look like a major threat with his arms, and he. Fumbled the ball, I think, four times tonight. Mm-hmm. Kind of killed them with those fumbles. But defense was better than I thought it was going to be. You know, I sort of penciled Louisville in as a as a gimme, and I, and and I would just suspect like some attrition, just natural attrition with injuries and whatnot, and they don't have much depth. You know, and if they can't figure out the quarterback position, I would still think Kentucky wins that game at home. But tonight gave me a little bit of pause on that Louisville game as just a total gimme. Um, and good for them. I, I think Satterfield's going to do a good job for them. I think he's going to have a fun, exciting offense. But um, I think we're both in agreement. Like Whether or not Kentucky just totally impressed you Saturday, I don't think they just totally impressed anybody Saturday. There was enough positives and then so much more negative on the teams remaining on their schedule that I, I, don't, I don't really like cringe at my 8-4 and four pick coming out of week one. All righty. So Kyle, this past week, he had been, and it was interesting for me to sort of hear this as it was developing, uh, did a really cool piece talking about the maturity and the just uh, the whole backstory, how he got here, you know, what he wants to do, what he's doing now uh, on Lynn Bowden, Kentucky's, you know, like all purpose offensive whiz. Um, Talk to him, and it really, it really detailed some of the some of the ways that he's matured emotionally. Um, we get we're getting to hear him. Um, he, he seems more focused and clear headed than ever. Like uh, you know, early on there was some sort of you know questions about him. I, I often wondered if he would even be here much past his first year, based on some yeah. of the things he did. And uh, but I mean, talk a little bit about uh, that the the piece you wrote, uh, just talking to to Lynn. This is an awesome post that people should go read on the Athletic. Yeah, some uh, it's, you mentioned sort of being on this in this unique position. You're one of the couple people that I 
sort of talk to, text with while I'm in the process of working on some of these bigger stories. And it's always pretty obvious, I think, to you, and I'm like excited about one. And mm-hmm. uh, I like left out of the interview with Lynn Bowden going like, oh my God, <laughs> like, holy <laughs> crap, this was a really unusual interview. Uh, and and for the people that have read it, I appreciate that because it is has now moved up into the top three stories in terms of new people subscribing to read it um, that I've done for the athletic. So people it obviously resonated. I mean, it's a really unusual level of honesty. I mean, the story begins with him saying, "I've been lying to people, but I'm going to keep it real with you." And it's about this tattoo about above his eye that I asked him about. He's got 72 tattoos. He's got one above his eyebrow. He just, he tweeted tonight, I need some ink. 72. So, uh, wow. Are you a, yeah. a masochist at some point? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, do you God. just, yeah, do you, do you like just getting, getting, uh, jammed with needles? Um, but, um, this, you know, basically he says to me pretty early in the interview as we're kind of going through his life story. And I ask about this tattoo. He says, I've been lying to people. It's a Chinese symbol, and I could. It's kind of muddled now, you know. You have, how tattoos sort of kind of bleed a little bit or whatever, and they uh, kind of become Fade a little. Part, yeah, indistinguishable. Um, he says, uh, "I've been telling. I tell people it means love, but it really means death." And I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, what? Uh, please, Which those two are interchangeable, right? Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, please, please be careful about what you tell me next, Lynn. Uh, and be, but he basically said like I you know I thought I was b- based on my background like everything I'd gone through in life I thought I was going to die young, which is a crazy thing for a person to a uh, twenty one year old football star in the SEC to sort of say yeah I thought I was going to be dead by now, mm-hmm. um, but and then he just kind of went on and outlined his life but without giving too much away I mean he he's been through a lot he comes from a, a really 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 rough part of the country part of rough part of ohio really rough part of a rough town youngstown ohio um didn't have his dad there's some there's some kind of heartbreaking quotes in there about just how much he ached for his dad when his dad wasn't around as a little boy um they did reconnect and they're they're good now but that inspired uh, him in some ways with his own family right yeah he finds out his senior year in high school where in which he basically admitted to me like i stopped going to school i stopped caring uh he essentially said like yes whatever what everyone thought about me the reason ohio state didn't recruit me even though i was maybe the best player in ohio i'm covered in tattoos and have dreadlocks and i'm in this rough part of town and i'm not going to school they assume i'm in a gang and basically yeah i sort of was uh but it, which is all of that is like, whoa, <laughs> I can't, you know, you're, you're admitting this, but you know, he basically said it's easier to admit now because I'm on the other side of that and I'm not in that life anymore. Uh, and he, I think very thankfully didn't do anything to ruin his life in that time. And he finds out in high school, his senior year of high school, when all this is kind of spiraling and he gets the tattoo that means death above his eyebrow, uh, <laughs> That in fact he's bringing a life into the world. That he's having a son, and he names him Lynn Bowden the third because he's junior. His father, that he's finally reconnected with, is Lynn Senior. Um, and he he said he basically determined in that moment when he started seeing his girlfriend's belly get big, and it became real to him that he was going to be a dad. That he was going to be what everything that he wanted to have in his own father that he didn't have. Um, and that that started to change his life. And then I think also the fact that Kentucky's coaches 
Mark Stoops and Vince Merrill, who are from Youngstown, who are connected enough there to to do their homework and say, okay, we know he's kind of a rough kid, mm-hmm. but what's his real story, and has he done anything that we can't get past? And they were confident that he hadn't done anything in his sort of wayward life that, that they couldn't get past, and that he was a good person at heart. And, and one of the things Mark Stoops and Vince Merrill talked about in there is that sometimes you become a product of your environment and you try to look and act a certain way to, to kind of get in where you fit in and, and um, that that's not really who you want to be. And so all you need is a change of scenery. But so many kids in that situation don't have something that can take them out of that environment. And Lynn did. He could, be, he could take football and get out of town. He did. His mom did. She moved here with him. To She works at a hospital. Um, and that was life-changing for him. He kind of got out of his bad situation, and he had people who believed in him, and I think that was really important for him to have some men in his life who said, like, we know you can be more than what you're showing, and, hey, we're all dads. We can show you how to be a dad. Um, and now he's just a guy that hangs out with his kid and his girlfriend and his mom all the time and, and is a homebody by all accounts. And, and not, oh, by the way, like a budding you know, college football star. So it's pretty cool. I hope people will take the time to read it. It's one of the longer things I've written. Uh, and like I said, it's certainly one of the most revealing interviews I've ever had with an athlete, just really raw and honest. And uh, I think it, it shows in a, in a really cool way in the story. Yep, it's a good one. I read it. I retweeted it. I recommend it. And uh, everybody should go take a look at that and subscribe to The Athletic and Sport Kyle and the stuff that he does. So that's going to do it for this this episode this episode of Locked On uh, Kentucky. I don't know why I went into Borat for a moment there. Where can uh, they find your work, Kyle? Where can they find you on uh, social media? You can ter- tell I'm like delirious, tired. Sorry. I can. <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're, we've survived this episode. Uh, find my work at theathletic.com uh, or on the Athletic app. Follow me on Twitter at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH. Follow Kyle. At, at J Kyle Man, and you can find my stuff on my site, dimedrop.net, and on YouTube. And I do, uh, I freelance some for The Ringer, doing video stuff as well. So that'll do it for us. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> God. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.